Every team, every topic, everywhere. This is Believe. We just form a fucking wall. O'Neal deep on the post, lots of contact there. Oh, what a block by Wallace! What a jump ball! This team's down four, 12 8, 7 38 to play the first one. First from Rodney, stuck into the rim! Reggie inside for Andre, and a dynamite dunk! Detroit Pistons fans, we are back with Palace of Pistons podcast, episode 111. Uh, If you enjoyed Tim Forkin last time, I'm sorry he uh, is dehydrated from thirsting over LaMelo Ball's uh, delightful bounce pass. So unfortunately, Tim will not be on this week, but it is uh, Mike Angolano back uh, hosting the Palace of Pistons podcast with, as always, Aaron Johnson. How are you doing, buddy? Doing good. Uh, we are right near the start of the NBA season, so very, very excited for that to get underway, and we got some good stuff to talk about today, but as always, here on the Palace of Pistons podcast, so excited to get into it. Yes, and let's get into it. Um, so the preseason came and went pretty quick. Um, not a whole lot of movement, uh, a lot of people just sort of holding place. A lot of the starting lineups are kind of set or really have no figure uh, with the very small preseason, the very quick offseason we had. So um, is there anything that you noticed out of those four games that really struck you? Just one quick thing out of those four games uh, that would have been two against the Washington Wizards and two against the New York Knicks. I'd say the one thing that stuck out the most to me was just how bad the Pistons' offense is going to be. I mean, they are really, really going to struggle. They did not play two very good defensive teams whatsoever in both the Knicks and the Wizards. Uh, they, you know, the Wizards were one of the, historically one of the worst defenses ever last season. Uh, and the Knicks, you know, obviously you look at that roster and you can just tell that they are not the uh, most apt defensive team out there. But for Detroit to not score over 100 points in a single preseason game, uh, you know, you we just saw how raw they are on offense. And I'm not saying that they needed to come out and they needed to shoot the lights out or anything and, you know, need to look super crisp because I get it. There's going to be struggles and there's going to be – you know, it's going to take time to build chemistry and whatnot, but they just did not look good offensively whatsoever. A lot of turnover issues, uh, you're not making shots. You know, do they have enough guys that can make shots? So I, I think the one thing that, that really stuck out to me was that this team is going to be very, very behind offensively. And it's something that Dwayne Casey and Blake Griffin and others continue to preach about this team is, their defense is what is going to keep them in and win them ball games this year because that offense is very, very uh, raw and untamed right now. Uh, raw is, is, a, is a good way to put it. I mean, the Washington Wizards were five turnstiles last year on defense. They gave up a ton of points. And um, Detroit not being able to muster any offense, I guess it makes sense. You have a rookie point guard. You have a bunch of rookies. Uh, you have a very young team. You have Blake Griffin coming back from hardly playing at all last year. Um, the preseason, 
you know, plus they haven't played in like nine months. You know, they haven't played in almost a full calendar year. Um, I'll give them a pass a little bit, and you're going to have a lot of turnovers with the rookie point guard. Um, but yikes, the offense did just look very discombobulated. And, you know, that's just sort of the byproduct of having a, a rookie point guard. You're going to have those flashes of where everything clicks, the passes, the second passes, the extra passes get made, or Blake Griffin goes off and has a really nice game. But, you know, that's, that's, that's going to be sparse this year. Yeah, the Pistons offense is going to be really tough. And speaking of Blake Griffin, and guys like Derrick Rose, some of these veterans, and I mentioned the youth uh, as well, how should Dwayne Casey be mixing or rather pairing for lineups, these vets, with these young guys? Is, is there any rhyme or reason to how he should do that? I know Def Pen Hoops had a, had a piece today about how Killian Hayes could be the rookie of the year. He's, he's a top-end rookie of the year candidate but some of that's predicated on him working with Derrick Rose. So how should Dwayne Casey be mixing the youth and the veterans on this roster? Well, I think it, it, it starts with doing exactly that. And it needs to be mixing the groups together because it's really, there's, there's these really young players on the Pistons roster. You're Killian Hayes, you're Sekou, you're Sadiq Bey, uh, you know, and guys like that. And then there's your Blake Griffins, your Derek Roses, your Mason Plumleys, who are all older uh, in, in that regard. They need to be mixed together. I know there's a lot of people that just want to throw a lineup out there of Killian Hayes, Sadiq Bey, Sekou, Svi, and like Isaiah Stewart. It, it just can't work like that in a, a grown man's league. There has to be a balance of veterans and young guys on the court together at once, just as there can't be that all young rookie second year lineup. There, there shouldn't be a lineup of Derrick Rose, DeLon Wright, Wayne Ellington, Blake Griffin, and, and Mason Plumley all too much because you need to have your young guys in on a rebuilding team. I, I think in terms, if you want to start talking about pairs, I think Killian Hayes and Blake Griffin should be on the floor together as much as possible. I think that would just really help a, a point guard like Killian Hayes to play with a forward that can handle the ball and run the offense when necessary, just take some responsibility off your shoulders, especially in the early part of the season, will just be a really accommodating move for Hayes to just get him into the flow of things and help him settle into his NBA career. Uh, But, you know, I think a lot of guys fit on the court with Blake Griffin. Obviously you want a guy like Spima Hiluk on the floor for his shooting gravity and, I think the pairing of Sekou Dumboya and, uh, you know, Killian Hayes is important. So it's, it's tough to exactly nail down who gets paired with who, but at the same time, there has to be a mixture. And I think that's going to be an important uh, equation for Dwayne Casey to try to balance. I think when you look at their roster, there's a lot of young guys that you want to play but you're not going to be able to play them all together because you just can't put out all rookie lineups in the NBA. It, as, as much as the, the fantasy idea of let's get all my young guys on the court together so they can build their chemistry and develop all at once, as, as nice of an idea as that is, it just doesn't work like that in today's league. They're going to get run off the floor. Their chemistry is going to be destroyed. Their confidence is going to be destroyed. And, and the Pistons are going to lose games and lose those stretches of games you know, by 20 points. Um, but 
obviously a guy like Killian Hayes benefits from being on the floor with a Blake Griffin and Mason Plumley, and Sekou Dumboya is going to benefit from being on the floor with Derrick Rose. As long as Derrick Rose isn't just manhandling the offense and keeping the ball out of Sekou's hands. And, you know, there was uh, some issues with those two on the court together last year where the pairing didn't always match, but in theory, that should be a match because Rose likes to push the pace and, uh, you know, Seku can kind of benefit from the defense gravitating towards Rose and having Makai Luke on the floor with them. So it's important not to necessarily, especially in the beginning of the season, worry about who is exactly paired with who. It's more so just balancing it out. You know, we have two, two rookies or two rookies on the floor, for example. Okay. Well, we need to have obviously, Jeremy Grant, Mason Plumley on the floor. We need to have some veterans in that lineup just to be stop gaps and to be guys that can handle, you know, playing against a run and playing through the swing of a game and, and not letting the confidence and the chemistry get destroyed. So it's something that's very important, and it's going to be kind of a challenge for Dwayne Casey throughout the entire season, especially because he wants to go at least in the beginning of the year, past 10 deep, and he wants to play 11, 12 guys a game, it's going to be very challenging. But it's also incredibly important that he is able to make it work and allow for the development of all of the young players on Detroit's roster while letting the veterans aid in that process of developing by being out on the floor and playing with these guys. And I think that's a problem that a lot of coaches, you know, when you officially hit the reset button, I know that the reset button was really hit last year, but this is the year where it really feels like the, the button has been hit. You get all these young guys in at once. This is sort of the moment. There are coaches who, who have a problem. You know, I know that Ty Lu had this problem when the Cavs hit, hit that button after LeBron left where he just, you know, the veterans knew what to do, so you kept going back to them. That's what he felt comfortable with. Do you worry about that with Dwayne Casey? Like, I mean, Hayes had seven turnovers in his first game. It's going to be a work in progress. He's going he's gonna to turn the ball over a lot because he wants to make that pass. He sees it, but it just it, it's not available in the NBA like it was overseas. Do you think he could get just annoyed or, you know, make a statement by putting guys like Bay or – Hayes on the bench and just letting the vets play because I, I agree that's not the best course of action you should have your young guys out there in some capacity to let them grow but do you think there's a possibility that there are going to be games where the vets just kind of get the run and the the young guys just have to watch that's a very good question and I think if you would have asked me the same question last year I would have said yes I absolutely expect Wayne Casey to you know if necessary, do something like that and just play his veterans and let the young guys sit on the bench. I would have absolutely said yes. This year, with the way that he has ta talked, you know, he has said, look, obviously our goal is to make the playoffs, but we also have realistic expectations and we understand how young we are. And what's really important is the development of our young guys, like Killian Hayes, like Sekou Dumboya. It's about developing them and letting them grow and letting them play. And so my answer today is no. I mean, I could see it happening in a rare occurrence 
if there's just a night where everyone's coming out flat and, and no one's really performing, I could see Casey doing something like that. But even so, when you look at the guys that are going to be outside of the rotation, at least outside of the first 10, you'd think that if he does something like that, down the bench, there's going to be Sadiq Bay, Isaiah Stewart. So even then, you know, young guys would be in line for minutes. Um, I think he understands, and whether it's something he wants to do or something he was told he has to do, um, he understands that he has to play his young guys and, and that this franchise just isn't where they were a year ago. They're not on the cusp and trying to compete for a playoff spot and improve their record. They are very much developing, and they are very much going to be bad. Uh, so if you would have asked me a year ago, my answer would have been different. Today, I don't think that that's something that we're going to see often, if at all. One, because of how much youth and how many guys there are on Detroit's roster that are young and, and are going to need playing time. And two, because I think it's just an understanded sentiment across the entire franchise that we know we're not going to be very good this year. So a lot of our guys are going to play and a lot of guys are going to get opportunity for development. Yeah, I think, I think that's the case too. And really the roster is so full of young guys, it's going to be really hard to not have, you know, one of them in the lineup at some point. Um, okay. I, I, you know, that's just something to watch, you know, where there's really fluidity with the lineups and things and, um, especially from an offensive standpoint, the offense is just so flat, you know, can't get anything started, you know, possessions are, are, are stopping after a few passes, then, you know, it'll be interesting to see if, uh, if um, Casey gives Hayes the hook and uh, goes with Wright and Derek Rose and just says, okay, go and, and get us some points, please. Um, so I think there will be an interesting mix of guys I'm interested in Isaiah Stewart he I mean okay how many times is he going to get tossed out of the game this year <laughs> you know what I think he'll get to, I think he will get tossed out of a game this year but I, I I'd be willing so to say it's unintentional I, I think he's I'm, I'm trying to think of who he reminds me of but there is a Pistons player that from recent years too that it was just kind of always just out of control and I think it was Eric Moreland who oh yeah 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 you know, kind of, <laughs> of the same yep, yep, Eric <laughs> of Stewart who was just like 110 percent every play down the floor which is good but it just sometimes led to some out of control plays and I I could see very much so that happening with Stewart at least once this season where he's just going really hard and he ends up knocking someone over or, or something like that and he gets he's a caught. big guy. He's a big guy, and he runs hard. It can be an accident. Yeah. He runs hard. He, I, I don't see him doing something intentional. I would never, you know, say that about an NBA player, but I could definitely see him just running down the court hard like he always does and not noticing that he's going to end up trucking a guy or he's going to end up, you know, drilling someone in the head, going for a rebound, you know, crashing in or something like that, and he's going to yep. get tossed. Yep. And speaking of some of our young guys, um, our, our next topic is one of the former young guys that Pistons fandom felt or tried really hard <laughs> to fall in love with, and that's Luke Kennard. We talked a little bit about it a few weeks ago about that trade and all of free agency, but 
um, some, some late news from ESPN's Adrian Wojnarowski. Luke Kennard signing a four-year, $64 million extension with the LA Clippers. Um, does this change how you feel about the trade <laughs> of uh, sending Luke Kennard uh, and four second-round picks out to LA for the 19th pick, which turned into Sadiq Bay and Rodney Magruder? I will say that prior to this contract extension, dating back to, you know, the summer and, and around then, this is kind of where I valued Kennard at. And if we go back to podcasts, even probably back to before there was a hiatus of the podcast, so back towards, you know, February or last January now, so almost a year ago, I'm pretty sure I, I was singing the same tune of he's probably going to be ballparking around 15, 16 million. And I, I'm not surprised by this deal. The thing that surprises me actually on the flip side is if the Clippers were okay with giving Luke Kennard four years and $64 million, then doesn't that toss out the idea of the Pistons having to add four second round picks? because the Clippers were worried about Kennard's health and whatnot. I mean, to think about it, Luke Kennard for four years yeah. and $4 million, that is certainly a, a player, a contract that's a fair trade for the 19th overall pick, which obviously we know turned into Sadiq Bey. Um, so that whole theory of the Clippers not trusting Kennard's health and whatnot, if that was the case – then they wouldn't have extended Luke Kennard. They would have made him play out the season and look back at it in, you know, in July or whenever, you know, whenever they, they went to discuss a contract again, if Kennard was healthy and played well and fit with the team and whatnot. To me, that kind of tosses out that whole theory of, well, the reason the Pistons had to throw in an astronomical, astronomically high amount of second-round picks was because the Clippers didn't trust the player that they were getting back. You know, they just paid that same player $64 million, $16 million a year on average for the next four years. So they obviously believe and trust him and his health situation pretty well if they're going to commit that significant of an amount of money to him. And that's with $56 million of that guaranteed. Um with the remaining eight uh, incentives, which are deemed reachable according to ESPN, but 56 mil in guaranteed money for uh, Luke Kennard. You know, I don't really know if this changes my feeling on it. I still think that giving up the four second round picks is kind of, kind of strange. I mean, I get moving on from Luke Kennard. I get the injury concerns. I get that he wasn't Troy Weaver's guy. I, those are all things that I, I think you can make an argument for. Like, okay, that makes sense. Um, I guess it doesn't really change my feeling about the whole trade, but I think giving up four second round picks just seems kind of, kind of weird. You know, is like you said, was that the reasoning for uh, his injury history just to kind of move on from, but yet they gave him all that money anyway. I'm not even looking at the return for, you know, with Bay and Rodney Magruder, that's whatever. I, I think Bay fits, more of a positional need than Kennard did, um, especially after the acquisition of Killian Hayes. So, yeah, it just seems kind of weird to give that guy a lot of, you know, that much money considering how little he's done 
And I know that he's got the, all the talent to be a, you know, a pretty good shooter and a nice backup point guard, which is what the, or at least a backup ball handler rather that, that the Clippers could use, but that just seems like an awful lot of money for, uh, for a guy with his resume. Am I wrong? I'm not surprised by the money. I, I look at him and again, I, my opinion of Luke Kennard hasn't changed uh, since he left the Pistons. That's just not kind of how I look at things. I, I look at it as he's a good player. He averaged 16 points, four assists last year, was playing career best basketball, was thriving in a more advanced role in the Pistons offense, which again, shooting the ball very well, 40% from the three point line. But the problem with him has been in his young career is that he hasn't been able to stay on the floor due to his knees. So I think Kennard, if he's healthy, is worth $16 million a year. I really do. He can handle the ball. He can distribute. He obviously can shoot in multiple arrays. He is a good player, and he's the kind of guy that you want on a contending team. We talked about this probably last summer. We were talking about Luke Kennard maybe isn't a a starting shooting guard on the Detroit Pistons, but if you put him on a contending team where he isn't asked to do as much but can just fill that role of being the knockdown shooter and then getting to add in things here and there when the stars are on the bench or the stars take a playoff, whatever, he's going to fit very well. He's going to fit very well with the Clippers. He's a good player. Absolutely. Uh, so I think he's going to earn this money, and I think people are going to, you know, look back and, and, and realize that it's not an overpay. Um, kind of sw- switching a little bit, but sticking with this kind of canard talk, how do you think this sets the market for Fima Hailuk, the next piston guard that is going to be a, a free agent and be eligible for a contract extension? Uh... Well, you know, that's going to be predicated quite a bit this year. He's going to get a lot more run. You know, he's going to be uh, – I mean, there's an argument to be made he should be the starting shooting guard right now. Uh, I know that the lineup is, like I said earlier, pretty fluid. If he if he goes out and has a Joe Harris type of uh, um, season, you know, when he sort of hit the scene and everyone was like, oh, man, he can actually – he, he can actually knock down some shots and he's going to get a lot of time, um, a lot of floor time that is to show that. I think this is a contract that could, that could set the market for a guy like Svee Mikhailuk. And um, that's, that's an interesting point to think about. I, I would currently value him. If I, if, if it was today, the day was today and I had to offer Svee Mikhailuk a contract extension my annual salary would be, I, I would say $10 million. I, I don't think he's done enough yet to predicate more than that. I certainly think this season he can earn more than that, certainly. I mean, you mentioned the Joe Harris, uh, you know, situation, obviously this Luke Kennard contract. Right now I'd value him at $10 million annually. I think he has a chance to earn a lot more money. I think he could earn – I think he could very much – get the same style of deal of Luke Kennard four year, $64 million deal. He would have to play very well this season. I think he would have to work his way into the starting lineup. Uh, He is not the level of player of Kennard 
of Joe Harris yet. He can be. He's not there yet. And right now, with the minutes he was getting in the preseason, if if he gets that same kind of run, he won't get there. He didn't get enough playing time. He didn't get enough shots outside of the first game where he was really comfortable and just kept shooting the basketball, which is good. It's what you want him to do. He's not going to earn more money if, if he's in that same role. I expect him to play a bigger role in the regular season. I think eventually he's going to work his way into the starting lineup. But right now I think I have him valued at about $10 million. Do you think that's off? Yeah. Or do you think that's no, off? no. I think I think that's about right. I mean, he's not the he's not the playmaker that Luke Kennard is, and he is not as proven of a knockdown shooter as Joe Harris is. So I think somewhere in between there fits. Um, I think ten million is fair if he shows a different gear with passing this year, or or you know some other. If he could show a semblance of being a perimeter defender you know, then, then that, then that changes things a lot, but yeah, as it stands, I, I think about 10 million is, and I could see a little bit higher too. Um, but I think about 10 is, is, is fair. I just don't think he's proven himself enough yet to garner more. I think 10 is honestly for, for what he's done in his career. I think 10 million is generous. Absolutely. I think that's a lot of that's based off Well, he's going to be able to continue to grow and get better and, you know, develop as time goes on because we have to think. Svima Hiluk's value right now is based off of what the thirty or so games he played last season. Uh, so it's not like it's a very large sample size. And, and I, again, I I'm confident that he's going to get better. Uh, I don't I don't know how much more you can pay him right now with the player that he is currently, but obviously this season could really change some ways and. In, in either direction in terms of his value based on how he performs. Yeah, I would um, agree with that too. And um, like I said, that's, that's why I think this year is going to be uh, even more important because uh, he's going to get a lot more run. He's going to get a lot more time on the court uh, to have that sorted out. So that's something to keep an eye on. <laughs> I have a, you know, the Pistons are going to have quite a bit of cap space too, or at least they were going to. Um, But moving on to uh, one of the more important uh, players, we talked about Blake Griffin earlier. Um, Savid is going to be pretty important to that starting lineup or that benching, wherever he slots in. If he slots in at the bench, you know, he's going to be relied on to get those shots up. Um, And when he inevitably, you feel, moves into the starting lineup, he needs to be that shooting threat to sort of space things out a bit. So if we look at uh, the whole roster, um, Svi seems like the kind of guy who could be in that most improved category. And this is my segue to our uh, awards section for just the Pistons. And we'll start with, with most improved Aaron, who do you think is going to be the most improved uh, player on the Pistons? You, you made a pretty compelling uh, case for Svi Akailuk right there. You know, if he gets the minutes that I think he's going to get. Yeah. I, I, I think it can be, Svima Hailuk, I really do. Um, I think he's going to have an opportunity to get a lot of minutes. I think Delon Wright starting as the two guard is not something that will last long term, or there will be injuries that allow Mahailuk to play more. There is going to be plenty of opportunity for him this year. And if he comes out and fires the basketball like he did in game one of the preseason, 
there's just no way where he's not the most improved player of the year for the Detroit Pistons. You're talking about a guy that can come off of handoffs and catch and shoot situations and immediately fire away the basketball. That's just a very valuable thing in today's league. And when you have a guy like that on the floor with guys that run a lot of handoff action in in Blake Griffin, and you're going to see it more with Mason Plumlee this year, maybe than what you did in Denver in previous seasons, just based off of how the Detroit Pistons offense works, there is going to be plenty of opportunity. And, you know, if Mihailuk shows more uh, creating ability with the basketball in his hands, whether it be for himself as a scorer or for others as a distributor, there will be a, a great, great role for Mihailuk this year in which he can certainly uh, win the most improved player of the year prediction. I want to hear yours because if you don't have a different one, I do have a case for someone else. No, I, I do have a different one. Um, and it's purely based on last game. Um, and that would be Sekou Dumboya, who I think is going to get a lot of run this year. And, um, you know, there was a lot of, he was one of those picks last year where a lot of analysts were like, Oh, that's kind of interesting. You know, he's, raw talent, raw potential. He just needs something to be molded around. Um, so mine would be second. Can I take a guess at what yours is going to be? Yes. It's what, not Seiku, what's your, Oh, it's not Seiku. So yeah. Right. Please. This is based on tweets that I saw you make. Are, are you going to say Josh Jackson? You are right. My friend nailed that, it. That was who I was going to make a case for. Um, kind of in the same ilk of, there's going to be a role for him this year. And I, I, Dwayne Casey seems to really like him out of the gates and trust him. And after a shaky game, one of the preseason, Josh Jackson came out and played very well shooting the basketball. I like his three point shooting form. He is not known for his shooting, but uh, he has come out with a form that is very repeatable. Uh, It's quick trigger. It looks good. It looks clean. It looks comfortable. He's showing a willingness to attack the basket. He's a guy that likes to run in transition and, you know, attack the rim. And as well, he's not a bad defender. He has the potential to be a good defender. He's got size. He's got length. He's got athleticism. So I think there's a a potential for Josh Jackson to uh, be the Pistons most improved player this year. But I think those are your top three. I think Svi and Sekou and, Josh Jackson are, are, are three guys that really you hope to see improvement from, especially, especially Seiku because of how important he is to the Pistons long-term. I, I almost hope I'm wrong, and I almost hope you're right because, again, Seiku is just more important than Sfi Mihailuk is for the Pistons in the long run. Um, but I think both or all three of those guys really could be and need to improve this season. Right. Um, can we j- breeze over the rookie of the year prediction? Do we both agree that it's going to be Killian Hayes? Yeah, I don't see a world where it's anyone else. Uh, if if the Pistons had a little bit of a different offseason and didn't add Jeremy Grant and Josh Jackson and, you know, Sadiq Bey was going to be thrown into the fire right away, I would be tempted to pick him. But there's just not right. an opportunity right. present for him right now. Who knows? That could change injuries, roster moves, could happen to where he ends up playing big-time minutes. 
But right now there's just not a role for any of the other three rookies to, to take that away from Killian Hayes, who's the starting point guard. And what about MVP? This, this one, um, this one's a little bit more up to interpretation. Who, who do you think is going to be the Pistons most valuable player this year? This is a very tough question. Uh, I think in years past, the answer was very obvious. I've gone back and forth in my thought process with this. I, I, I've juggled a couple of different names, and it's, it's been a very tough thing for me to, to settle on. I think I'm going to go with the guy that we would say in years past, Blake Griffin, but that's predicated off of, is he healthy? And if he's healthy and he's on the court, he's going to be their most valuable player. Uh, I believe just because of the usage he's going to have, they're still giving him the ball, every possession down the court. And he's running stuff from the top of the key, from the high post, you know, getting post-ups. He is going to get the ball a ton when he is on the floor. And if he's healthy this season, which is always a question mark, he's going to be their most valuable player. I feel I, I can't go with a guy like Killian Hayes as much as obviously you'd like it to be him just because he's a rookie and he's a point guard and there are growing pains for young point guards in the NBA. And when you have a, a tenured all-star like Blake Griffin, He's just going to command so much attention, so much respect, and he's obviously still the vocal point of Detroit's offense as it stands current day. Yeah, I think Griffin's the you know the low hanging fruit because he's the best player on on the roster, and um, that's that's a good sign. You want him to be the most valuable. You want him to be the best because you are going to be trying to deal him. Uh, for assets. So if he's not, and you know, the MVP, or if he's not even in the, in the discussion, then that's a bad sign for the prospects of moving on uh, from Blake Griffin. But I think his role as the veteran star with all these young guys is going to be a lot more important than people maybe think. Um, it's important to have that anchor on a really young team. Um, it's, it's really important to have, a galvanizing force like a Blake Griffin or to go back to my Cleveland Cavaliers. It was very important for them to have Kevin Love with a lot of these young guys, you know, both of them now power forwards, both of them um, very, very good players, both of them making a lot of money. <laughs> um, but it's important to have that galvanizing force there with Griffin. So I'm going to go ahead and say Griffin, I think, if we see Rose and Killian Hayes play a lot together, I think you can make an argument that Derek Rose is going to be really important for not only the ability to go get a bucket, but for the development of Killian Hayes. If that is what Dwayne Casey is going to go with and have those two in the backcourt and then have DeLon Wright in the second unit, I think there, there is certainly an argument that could be made for Derek. I think one other guy that we should mention here is Jeremy Grant. Obviously, he signed a $20 million a year contract in the offseason. He got paid like a big boy. So he's going to be given plenty and plenty of opportunity. Uh, and we saw it in the preseason right out of the gates where he's going to take a lot of shots. He's not going to play the same role that he played in Denver where he was a spot-up shooter, 
you know, three and D kind of guy. He's going to handle the ball a lot more here in Detroit and try to create offense for others, but primarily himself, whether it be attacking the basket or shooting off the bounce, he's shown that he's going to be aggressive in trying to get baskets for himself in not just ways that you wouldn't have maybe anticipated from in years past. Again, spotting up, cutting to the rim. There's going to be a lot of lot more of Jeremy Grant with the basketball in his hands this year. And if a guy like Blake Griffin goes down, or if Jeremy Grant has a leap in him that I don't think is there, but maybe others do and he makes that leap, then I think there's also a chance that he could be the MVP of the Pistons this year. Yeah, that's probably a bad sign that we didn't mention the guy who signed the biggest contract out of all the Pistons free agent signees, not even considering him for MVP. He was sort of the afterthought. That's probably a bad sign, but (laughs) Pistons Twitter will not know what to do with their hands if Jeremy Grant starts to play well after – I mean, there's going to be a lot of tweet deleting going on, especially after that first game where he looked like like a fish out of water. I'll be one of the people apologizing and, and recanting for, for my mistakes. You know, I've been very vocal about not, not fully believing in the signing and not fully believing in the value of Grant, but obviously yeah, we both hated it. a lot of belief in him. And if he makes that jump, he's going to make some people look silly. And I would, again, I, I don't mind being wrong about a player being better than what I expected. I, I don't mind being wrong, but I will remain – uh, cautiously pessimistic about that signing and that player currently. Yes. Yeah, absolutely. Aaron, is there anything else for Pistons Nation as we get ready to go into the holiday season? Well, and the start of the NBA season. Well, Good Lord. Uh, there's a lot going on right now. You know, we're about to get NBA basketball. We're, we're about to get Pistons basketball. We're about to get Christmas. So I think now's a good time to just, you know, we're not going to have another podcast out before Christmas. So, uh, you know, we won't have a podcast out until the Pistons first, I believe two games of the year. It might be three, might be uh, three. So, you know, we'll have some multiple games to watch the Pistons and see how they perform until the next podcast. But you know, I hope everyone has a great Christmas. I hope everyone stays healthy, stays safe. Obviously there's a lot of challenges going on in the world today so we wish everyone the best i thank you all for your support of palace of pistons whether it be you're listening to and enjoyment of the podcast whether you read us on our website or follow us on our social media pages we truly appreciate you and we're wishing you a great holiday and switching gears to what everyone's here for detroit basketball talk Go into this season, my my advice would be to go into this season with no expectations whatsoever. Don't think that this team has to be competitive, has to win games, has to be good, that Killian Hayes, Sekou Dumboya, and every other young player on the roster have to come out right away and start performing incredibly well. You need to go into this season with no expectations of success. This is a brand-new team, a brand-new general manager, heading into what's going to be a challenging season because of all of the extra variables this time around that there hasn't been in years past. So, you know, lower your expectations. And again, I would suggest not having any because it's going to be a difficult season on the court for the Pistons. They're not going to win a lot of ball games. 
And there's going to be growing pains for the young guys. There's going to be slumps for Killian Hayes. There's going to be slumps for Sekou Boya. There's going to be injuries. Expect that. Anticipate it. Don't, you know, let it uh, think that the let – you, let it force you to think that the Pistons are going to be a terrible franchise for the next 10 years. Expect nothing because there's a lot that you can't control with the world today for the NBA and what's going to happen this year. It's going to be challenging with all of the – uh, guidelines that have to be met and it's going to be a challenging season all around. So go into it with no expectations and be, you know, happily surprised when a guy like Killian Hayes goes off or say looks really good. And let's, let's see where this season goes. This is an important year for the Pistons, but not necessarily in terms of their wins and losses. It's how the young guys develop. Yes. There's, there's going to be, really bad nights. There's going to be a lot more really bad nights than really good nights, but those really good nights, um, that's where you see the glimpse into the future. That's where you can sort of look into the crystal ball a bit and see, Oh, okay. He fits, you know, in, in this way. And, you know, Ooh, uh, Sadiq Bay has, you know, has, has this other tendency that we could fit in to the future roster somehow. So Aaron, I, I think you nailed it on the head. This is a, it, it, it's a growing year. It's not a year to overanalyze things. Because there are a lot of very young players in a very, very peculiar situation with this truncated season. Um, go in with, uh, don't go in with playoff expectations. Um, go in with, you know, expectations of, of seeing some good young players grow throughout the season. Um, and if you have that sort of mindset, then I think that you're going to be a pleasantly okay Detroit Pistons fan. That's, that's and, the mindset. Got to be. Yes. Yep. It's got to, it's, there's just a, a lot of young guys are going to make a lot of dumb young kid mistakes. Um, but I think it'll be a very fun season. I like watching young teams build and grow. Um, so this will be a very, very fun season. And we will talk to you all uh, next time after those young guys have some run on the court. So for Aaron Johnson, I am Mike Anguilano. Uh, again, uh, everybody have a nice, safe, and happy holiday season. And uh, you will hear from us again once the NBA season is officially kicked off. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.